0: Welcome to the Televerse Podcast from PopOpticTV P-O-P-O-P-T-I-Q.com Comedy, reality, drama, genre, and what's in between Covering anything, that's interesting We can geek out on television, so much to see At least OPTV kills us all Comment all upcoming TV talk every week Let's start the show! Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Pop Optics TV podcast. This is Kate Kulczyk, TV editor of PopOptics.com, and I'm joined this week by one of our fabulous contributors over in the TV section, as well as uh, she writes over at the Televixen, Ms. Elena Rivera. Elena, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited.
0: This is going to be so much fun. Like,
1: Yay! Because
0: we're going to be talking about a few shows that I know we both love mm-hmm. uh, that I think more people should watch. Um, and I would guess, I'm going to hazard to guess that you would agree Big one oh, yeah, is you're the worst. There's going to be so much you're the worst talk, guys. <laughs> like I'm so excited. But before I talk about that, uh, we should talk about a couple other things, including that right now over at Pop Optic, um, it is November, so we're doing TV uh, 2015 TV to be thankful for, and you wrote a great piece. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, of course. So
1: I was thinking about um, what what kind of things thematically in television I've been enjoying in 2015. And I think um, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but stuff with You're the Worst, um, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and iZombie, there's just been a lot of television that's really been engaging with mental health in exciting and really positive ways. Positive not always meaning like people are healing and, and coping, but sometimes really honest um, and in the difficulty of dealing with a mental health diagnosis. Um, so I wrote about Bojack Horseman, which got a lot of buzz in its second season this year about really engaging with in a very real and kind of sometimes really dark way with depression. And then also wrote about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on The CW, which doesn't really give Rebecca Bloom, the main character, a diagnosis, but really does kind of chronicle her issues with happiness and that's her prompts her to move in the pilot to this new town and sing a lot of wonderful musical songs. Um, so I wrote about those two shows and how they engage with mental health because I think for, um, for a lot of people, that's a huge struggle. And even in a short term way, that can be a struggle and seeing positive portrayals on television really matters. And I, I've been really grateful in the way that they've engaged with those storylines. Um, crazy ex girlfriend being a really new show and, Bojack Horseman being in its second season, and other shows that have come up in the past um, in the past year, past two years, it's really awesome to see positive portrayals on TV. Whether and those portrayals are all really diverse. People are in a lot of different places. Bojack's probably a lot darker and more messed up, and Rebecca's like not as bad, but still kind of a hot mess sometimes. Uh, but watching the two shows engage with mental health in a really honest way has been great. And I really appreciate that as a TV viewer. So I wrote about that.
0: Yeah. And you guys should all go over to pop optic and read your article because it's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I just like geeked out about the great great British break because I love that show and it's amazing <laughs> and more people mm-hmm. should watch it. So you can read that over at pop optic as well. There's lots of stuff going on over there uh, and lots of content going up. I'm, I'm I've compiled, I have a list of 15 um, female characters from this year who, like Janice from Accounting, don't give a fuck. Uh, <laughs> and I'm very excited to... to I'm going to put that together over the course of this week. And um, that, was, that was a fun trend for me this year in TV. So, the, so there's more coming on that theme from some of our other writers as well. Uh, but we should get going because we've got a lot to talk about Mm -hmm. and not just this week's TV but we're also talking about a a favorite show of mine a beloved show for me Um, that's Parks and Rec that's going to be coming at the end of the show I'm so excited Mm -hmm. it's going to be fun basically it's going to be fun okay so now we'll take a break and we'll come back with our week in comedy which basically means enjoy this delightful song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend we'll be right back
2: when we're together I feel so grand My heart goes tippity-tap-tap-tap When I hold your hand But I know there's another guy You fancy more So, even though I'm not the one you adore Why not Settle for me, darling Just settle for me I think you'll have to agree we make quite a pair I know I'm only second place in this game but like 2% milk or say beef i almost taste the same so won't you settle for me come on and settle for me
0: let's take a moment here uh just to appreciate that that delightful song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend "Settle for me that led into this segment. But we're not going to kick off a weekend comedy with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Instead uh, we're going to kick things off by talking about Master of None, which dropped on Netflix this season. The, this full seasons dropped on Friday. Uh, then we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about season three uh, premiere of Mom. Uh, I'll talk briefly about Adventure Time and we'll, we'll dive in a little bit more with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Into the Woods, as well as a little bit to talk about the season. Jane the Virgin, Chapter 26. Then we'll get to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I'm going on a date with josh's friend and you're the worst lcd sound system which was well okay we're gonna talk about it so much but first let's kick things off with master of none which again like i said has uh dropped the the 10 episode season has debuted on or premiered or was re- released by netflix this past weekend and like immediately so much buzz lots of buzz mm-hmm. for, for this this season um did you were you like hit by the hype machine before you stopped started watching I,
1: um, so I didn't know it was coming out. I mean, I kind of knew that it it was happening. I was, I've not been up with my premiere date, so I didn't know that it was happening until all of a sudden Twitter was like master of none, master of none, master of none. It's so great. I was like, Oh, yay. Um, I watched it. I actually ended up watching it at a friend's house on Friday when it dropped, watched the pilot episode with him and really liked it and then followed up and watched like four or five episodes today. Um, but I didn't, I tried not to know too much about what was happening, which is good because it's really the way that Aziz Ansari frames the narrative is really interesting. So I was happy that I wasn't too spoiled for the way that he kind of developed the season.
0: Well, and how did it live up to all that buzz for you? Or did you enjoy it?
1: Yeah, I really did. Um The second episode I think is called Parents and Deals kind of does a flashback between him and his friend Brian's um. Immigrant parents, so his friend Brian, um, came from Taiwan, or his friend Brian's parents came from Taiwan and his parents came from India. And they're like really short kind of flashback scenes that go through like a really quick timeline of when they were kids and then when they decided to move to the U.S. and then their life in the U.S. up till now. Um, but I, I come from a family of immigrants, so it hit me really hard in an emotional place to see that and also, um, felt really excited that those kinds of stories We're being told on this kind of platform because I think that a lot of shows are embracing the fact that a lot of people's relatives and families are immigrants or do come from a different place. But to see that on Aziza's show when like the pilot dealt with relationships and other episodes deal with um, racism in Hollywood and stereotypical portrayals of Indians on TV and other things, it was really cool to see a little focus on his parents and his family in, in the midst of kind of all these other things that he was focusing on. So I, I really like it. I'm only on episode six, but it's a really, he's a really confident storyteller, I think. And he really knows his vision and what he wants to say. And that's really appealing. Not all shows come out of the gate so strong, but I really saw that in watching it.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's, I, I love that, the the episode with the, the fathers and this, you know, the fathers and the sons, is episode two, because it tells mm-hmm. you a lot about the show's priorities. They they make the, should I want kids? Like, pilot, really accessible pilot episode. Get the show made, picked up, whatever, fair enough. And then episode two, the next, this is what I want the show to be, uh, is looking at the these two main characters, or main character and supporting character, uh, relationships with their fathers and all this stuff, really dives in with that it 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 opens with the flashback, right? As I recall that second episode of the of the dad, or am I do I have that wrong?
1: I can't remember. It I know that he is like going over to his dad's house and then he's trying and the, to help. Oh, his you're dad right.
0: You're right. It's when with he's, the iPad. Yeah, when he's complaining about the iPad that we get the flashback. But um yeah. so it's early but not it doesn't open with it. Uh but the way that each episode like I think you could compare it to like the Carmichael show this summer, deals with a different issue or even blackish uh, last season when it came out, and it still does it now, but really is a, I really noticed at the beginning of season one of Blackish and then here and there with the show as well, it took kind of issue based storytelling so let 's mm-hmm. take a, a comedy but have it based on around like a central theme and a discussion and each mm-hmm. episode um really does do the the title cards come up and it says the name of the show, but then it says it's this idea of Jack of all trades, master of none. So this week we're going to do this and this, and the next Mm -hmm. week we're going to do that. And so the way that they use a set of characters and a set of voices to explore these different issues on a week to week basis, while also weaving in this larger narrative, I don't want to go into too much about um, a certain character and like an arc. There's a bit of an arc that develops. um, Mm -hmm. So I've been told because I finished episode five and I had to stop myself from watching more so I could go watch more Z's on Parks uh, mm. and Rec, uh, which, oh no, twist my arm. But, um, <laughs> oh, such terrible choices we make here at the Televerse. But, uh, but, but no, I really enjoyed the first five and it's not, I'm glad I wasn't, I was somewhat hyped, but I, I tried to really tamp down on that. I mean, and I'm glad I did because it's not as smooth as some people might like it, like there's some acting choices that are kind of big and kind of piloty in the first episode and in some of the other, like he, uh, I'm sorry, cast his parents as his parents. And so Mm -hmm. some line deliveries aren't what you would expect or maybe what would feel most crafted um, mm-hmm. But I think it really does work and there's because you get other levels of authenticity in the relationship with Dev, the character that Ansari is playing, because they already have that relationship drawn. And I do think that really works, but it doesn't it has more of like a early or, or early season, like one season two of Louis where it's not quite as polished yet, but there's a lot of really great ideas and it's. In certain ways, it's experimental, like you say, with the flashbacks in that second episode and with some of these other ideas that he's playing with. But in others, it's very straightforward. So it's kind of like a happy medium between a lot of different shows that that critics tend to like that. I know that I do. So like Mm -hmm. kind of like Louie kind of like Carmichael show kind of like these other things. And, and I think that's what we want from interesting original comedy is to sure. Have your influences, but do your own thing. And I think they've really done that.
1: Mm -hmm. I think too, it made me think of the trends of like author television where one person is telling a story, like you mentioned Louie. So like, Louis is really Louis C.K.'s story and the way that he wants to tell it and the things he wants to talk about in the world. And I really saw Master of None as like, this is what is important to Aziz Ansari and this is what he sees and this is what he notices. There were a lot of jokes um, or or themes in the show that have come up in his stand-up. Um, I've watched his stand-up specials a lot. There are some great ones on Netflix. But um, but talking about relationships and and he like wrote a whole book about his fascination with the way that we engage in romance now all of those different ideas are peppered through. And so I think for me, I totally hear you. Some of the, some of the, the plot, some of the plots were a little like formulaic and um, some of the stories that he chose to tell. But I thought he he so clearly kind of expressed like, here I am, this guy in my 30s in like 2015. These are the things I'm thinking about. These are the things I'm engaging in. Um, these are the things that I'm like interested in and want to talk about. That was, that's really cool. Not every show has such a strong voice. And so I appreciated that too. Going through the different episodes, there was, it was clear that this was a really personal project to him that he was involved in, in all of, in all the different aspects and in the acting and the writing and the directing. And in, in that way, I could appreciate it more, I think, because it felt so personal too.
0: Well, and also we should mention Alan Yang. He's he, he's the creator, yeah. so I, it's easy to overstate maybe the connection of characters to creators that they're playing. You know, like how mm-hmm. much Louis is in Louis, how like how much Aziz is in Dev. Mm-hmm. We can't know. We don't know them. But based on the way that second episode is structured and the fact that those are the two creators of the show, it, I think it feels safe to say like. There's some and of course, they collaborated on Parks and Rec to mm-hmm. you know, Alan Yang. some of their best episodes over on parks um there's uh it feels like there's there's you know a similar point of view and this like like this is a show that feels very cohesive and like you say it has a very strong point of view from its first and second episode, which is mm-hmm. not a thing that is always mm-hmm. the case, having watched a lot of crappy comedy pilots um so yeah i uh, there's a lot to really like here. People, you know, if you haven't, if you're listening to this podcast, and you somehow haven't heard all the other people telling you to watch it, we're telling you to watch it. Um, and I think it's also because of the structure, it's really easy to to binge without feeling like you have to. So you could like watch one and sit back and enjoy, and then move on to something else. Or you could just watch another one after the next, after the next, after the next, and not feel like um, like you have to watch another one. Like... I really appreciate that. I don't feel like it's like if, like if if it's one thirty in the morning and I'm like one more i it's not because I feel like i I have to, but I feel angry at the show for making me have to i't do you ever feel that is that just me?
1: No, I mean there are definitely shows where I'm like this cliffhanger cannot wait until the morning mm-hmm. time or whenever I'm watching it but i yeah, I totally see that it's really it's leisurely in like a really positive way. I mean that like I felt it's really when I was watching the episodes today, I like watched four in a row after dinner and it, it just felt nice. Like the pace is nice. The style is a little bit different every episode. So it didn't feel like exactly the same thing. I hear you. Mm
0: -hmm. And good music. Shall we say? Mm -hmm, Really good good soundtrack. Yeah. So there's a lot to like about master of none. And I'm sure I'll have thoughts when I finish the season at some point, but uh, Mm -hmm. for now let's move on to our next show, which is mom. And this is one that I had seen the pilot of and, um, I I know several people who are really big supporters of Mom, a uh, friend of the show, Todd Vanderwerf, Van loves it, uh, at least last I heard, and is a big proponent of the show, and there's some others as well that I that I know who are definitely on board, so I wanted to check in with this in season three, um, and I, for the most part, I really liked this premiere, um, I don't know if I'm going to set a season pass, but I was glad I spent the time, uh, what, is, what is your relationship with the show, have you seen any of it before? I think I'd seen a couple episodes
1: um, just cause I really love Allison, Janie, Janie, Janie. She's a wonderful, she's wonderful. So I was like, well, I'll check this out. But I, it wasn't really anything that I ever tuned into um, really specifically, but I also really enjoyed this premiere. I don't know if I would keep watching it cause I just watch a lot of shows, but it was, it was way more poignant than I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah. It, the gut punch when for those who don't watch the show, it's about Alison Janney and Anna Faris. And I don't know who plays the youngest uh, mom uh, the titular moms. Uh, but there's the main character, uh, characters are Alison Janney and, and Anna Faris. And they are both, uh, they were both teen mothers. Um, Alison Janney plays Anna Faris's mom. Anna Faris also has a teenager who in the season one or two finale gave birth. Um, as well as another kid, Anna Fair also has another kid. Um, and, but there's, they both are addicts. They're both, um, have turned their lives around. Uh, Alice and Janney more recently. And so they're trying to re- rebuild their relationship. And the season premiere sees Alice and Janney's uh, mom who abandoned her basically a, a, like an orphanage uh, or put her into foster care when she was four. Um, trying to reestablish contact and dealing with that stuff. And it's, there's some there's some humor, there's some really straightforward CBS comedy humor, but there's also some really poignant um got, there's at least one just gut punch and I really had a lot of respect for them for them committing to it. Mhm. I yeah,
1: I I was happy that they didn't feel like they had to wrap everything up really neatly at the end like this um this grandmother, mother figure comes in. She's had a really complicated history with all the other characters and that she hasn't really known them because she gave her daughter away. She sent her daughter to foster care when she was young and they haven't had a relationship since then and she's made different choices. But I I think it could have easily been like, now my grandma slash mom are back. Like, this is so great. Like, let's include this person in our cast and have a really, um, like a really, I don't know, in super intergenerational family but mm. I was happy that they did they showed a little bit more of the reality of if that person actually came into someone's life after not having been present for like 40 years or something that wouldn't be such an easy fix it wouldn't be just a one-time forgiveness and then everything is fine I, I really appreciate that and I thought Alison Janney played that super well the complex emotions of meeting someone that she hadn't seen but had so many like thoughts about in her life and and balancing like her own self care to maybe not engage in that relationship with also wanting to leave it in a positive place. I was really impressed actually now that I'm thinking about it. So,
0: yeah, well, and also to show the difference between the Allison Jenny character and the Anna Ferris character because mm-hmm. when Anna Ferris with this po- series starts, uh, Ferris's character has turned her life around and is sober and is trying to stay on the straight and narrow, and then her train wreck of a mom who's just Started trying is trying to she starts the series trying to reestablish her relationship with her daughter after mm-hmm. it having been destroyed um, by many many things uh, so, and we and so the series is centered around that idea of well but we're a family and so we're gonna make the best and we're gonna make up for lost time so to show the difference in the stages of their lives where they're at and, and the differences in that relationship versus going up a generation. Like I like the nuance there. And like you said, they, the actors all play it really well. And then there's just a fun supporting uh, like running gag of a different person that they think why they kind of adopt them as the great grandmother, which Uh is kind of fun too. Yeah. So I, I was very pleased with this one and, Um, I like, like you said, I like the way they handled it. I like the way they left it. They could bring that character back. The character could never come back either way. Um, but yeah, way to go. Tip of the hat to mom. Um, I'm going to mention Adventure Time here, uh, just cause I'm so glad to have it back. But, uh, unfortunately I'm a bad TV critic who didn't realize it was airing, uh, basically a Steven bomb approach where there's one episode every night last week. So I only saw the first one. Uh, but I did really like it. Uh, I, I like having Andy Daly more present on the show is always a good thing. As the king of Ooh, uh, and uh, watching Bubblegum get to do other stuff and just be like, "Screw y'all, I'm I'm going home. Uh, I'm not. You can have the Candy Kingdom since you voted me out or whatever. Um, you you guys get what you wanted. You get the king of Ooh. Enjoy. I kind of like that." side to her exploring that for a little bit. Uh, that's what we get here in Bonnie and Nettie and the backstory we get with her in this episode is pretty fun. And the whole thing is handled, is handled well, even just like the, the ridiculous arm. Like, do you, how familiar are you with adventure time? I've seen a bunch of, I've seen like almost every season
1: except this current season. So yeah. no,
0: Yeah. 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 But so, so Jake and Finn get put in this ridiculous, like pink, light pink armor by Bye. by the king of oo to like match his new decor for things and just like watch jake can't even like shape shift in it <laughs> it's just like watching them waddle around it's delightful so so it was it was a i'm very glad the show's back uh i will have a report on more of the season next week but this uh, this one i i don't have an excuse Gentle listeners, that's my bad. So we're gonna move swiftly on to Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, Into the Woods, and this is one that you cover over, over at the Televixen. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, what did it. you think of this episode, and how are you feeling about the season?
1: So this is kind of a bummer episode to talk about because I felt like it was kind of a step down from the previous five episodes. Um, I it wasn't that it was a bad episode. Things happened, and I really like the pairing of Rosa and Captain Holt. I always think that pairing is awesome, and they. I'm glad it's not a well that the show goes to too much so that I can appreciate it when it happens. But I really, I really loved, again, like talking about poignancy, like in mom, I felt a lot of poignancy in that storyline this past week when Rosa was kind of struggling to break up with Marcus and so went to Captain Holt for advice and gave her like some hilariously horrible (laughs) like breakup advice that then they kind of realized, hey, maybe we should do this like humans and do it face to face. Um, but in the end, in the end of the storyline, she, she kind of says, Hey, Captain Holt, I'm really scared. Like, I don't know if I'm going to ever be with someone else. What if this was my last chance at love? And then Stephanie Beatrice starts crying. And I was like, what are these tears on my face? Like, what's happening? <laughs> what is this
0: moisture? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? And then Captain Holt's crying. And it's, it was such a, an honest moment for a plotline that I kind of got thought didn't get enough attention because Marcus has been Honestly, Nick Cannon is fine, but that plot line has been such a non-entity every time he comes in. So I didn't really feel a lot of the weight of their breakup, maybe, as the writers wanted. I'm not sure. But I really felt it in, in Rosa and Stephanie Beatriz's performance. Um, I felt like that emotion was really where all the story power came from. But, but, it, but the episode didn't really do a lot. Like There was a side plot where Terry and Boyle and Jake go into the woods, which is where the title comes from. To like de- help Terry de stress and Amy and Gina like work on a project, so it was kind of like a typical Brooklyn Nine Nine episode. There wasn't a lot going on that really moved the plot forward, but it wasn't a bad episode. I laughed and things were developed, but but this past, but I think why it has been a why it was kind of a letdown was because. As I've been covering it, I'm happy that I decided to cover it this season but also because it's been great. The past five episodes have been really awesome. And the season two finale of Brooklyn Nine-Nine ushered in like a lot of changes for the show um, in relationships and putting Jake and Amy together and having Captain Holt and Gina in the PR department. And so the show really navigated those two big shifts well, I thought. Um that those could have been in other shows, things that really collapsed the narrative. But I thought that they gave a lot of life and new ways to the story. Um, and now kind of inevitably, but obviously in a sitcom, Gina and Captain Holt are back and everything's kind of status quo again. But, um, but they've been, but they did a lot of cool things with the story while they're, while Gina and Captain Holt were away and while, and while Rosa or while Amy and Jake are kind of figuring out their relationship, um, and I can't, I think it was episode three, but they were doing a PR piece where Captain Hall was like, we got to help, got to like boost the NYPD's image in New York. And I was like, where is this going to go, y'all? Tune <laughs> with this over here. Um, And he had, he wanted Amy as the face of the campaign. And then she like brought up in the meeting when they were talking, like stop and frisk and like police like problems. And I was so surprised because, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a beautiful, tiny show where, like, the New York City police are wonderful people and, like, nothing ever goes wrong. And they're all really great and super diverse and really funny. Um, and so it was really interesting to see, even in a really small scene, to them engage with some of the more daily realities of what police work may be. And I was really impressed. I don't think all comedies or shows in general have to take stances on things, but it was kind of a cool moment to see. Um, so I think too, that's why this episode was kind of let down. Cause I was like, all right, well, it's not really telling me anything new. It's not always bad. Um, it's a confident show. I enjoy it week to week, but I was kind of like, all right, this week, like put it aside. I'll see what happens next week. So
0: I like this one. I'll think a little more than you did, but I think that's also cause like you say, I haven't had to review it week to week. So I haven't <laughs> like had to break down all the different things mm-hmm. and like really examine. So I could just kind of be like, they're in the woods doesn't go well uh <laughs> which is you know fun enough but again if you're actually like thinking about structure and breaking something down it's yeah so i agree this is not as strong as some other episodes have been this this year or this season but um but i did enjoy it and and like the stuff with with uh amy and and uh gina is is fun um the the was it change her name to vanessa of course yeah delightful course. Yeah, uh, and it was fun. This one I watched, um, with, with my dad actually, and I don't think he's seen much Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, but he just, everything Chelsea Peretti said, he was laughing. I was like, oh, yeah. Good on you. Awesome. My dad is on point. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I I 100% agree the highlight is the stuff that we get with Rosa and Holt and just watching like, Kevin has told me apparently we are sociopaths like oh I loved that <laughs> it was great like it was it was just wonderful those two talking relationship advice and like the best way to break up with someone I feel heard thank you I am happy like beautiful wonderful I, I agree i'm glad it's not a well they go to too frequently but i think this context was perfect for it mm-hmm. and super fun so uh yeah that was definitely the highlight so i we'll see what happens next with that but again to take it to a much more real place at the end was a, a really nice touch and we'll see what comes next but speaking of taking it to a real place uh jane the virgin it's what they do and we're going to get there with the feels and the emotions, So we got to start out. Number one, chapter 26. How do you feel about this team Michael revelation? I have been team Michael for so long. (laughs) (laughs) I, this I've been waiting.
1: Here's the thing. Jane, I think is great. I say that now I feel like equally in five episodes, I could be like, no, Michael, we're done. Like it's, Mm -hmm. that's one thing I've been really impressed with. Sometimes the balance. In, the latter half of last season and this season earlier is skewed a little bit more towards romance than maybe it has in the past, which, I mean, your mileage may vary on how much you enjoy the romance. I happen to really enjoy it, so I'm cool with that. But I I really like how... I still equally think either one of those guys is, she could end up with, and I probably would be happy with either. The story has been really great. But that kiss was so good.
0: <laughs>
1: was well, so good.
0: the only issue I have... Is I need it to be settled now for a while. Like, if this is like, I, cause like, I, the love triangle stuff can be super fun, but those poor guys, Mm. and, and I think that is, I actually really admired Jane as a character for standing up for herself and saying, guys, I just had a baby. I'm like a mess. Of, <laughs> of hormones right now i can 't make any like long term decision for any of our futures right now with any because that what that tells me is that the show then isn't going to try to pull a i went, it was a crazy time, and I yeah. just had to be, like try to give her this excuse for why they change it up again like mm-hmm. I like that they're that they aren't doing that um that being said, this means that now she's made it, this choice. I need that to stick and i don't I worry that I I always am concerned with Jane, but they're not really concerned because I actually trust the writers implicitly Mm. at this point. Um, So what I'm thinking about, I guess I should say rather than concerned about is what can they do with wrath? That is interesting. Are are they going to go the scheming route and have him try to manipulate and like get Jane back that way? Are they going to have him be crushed and try to move on? like what's gonna like what they 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 had invested so completely with both Raph and Michael that this was the only thing that they could accept that mm-hmm. I don't like they're gonna have to open up a completely different side to the story because the part of the story that is working the least or the least interesting for me has actually some of it's been some of the love triangle stuff but really it's been the Luisa stuff so I'm not really interested if Raph Goes back into the Luisa corner of the show and like this, or, or the Petra stuff. Really not interested in the Petra stuff. So I'm kind of nervous about that. Do you have any thoughts mm-hmm. on that? What do you think they're going to do with Raph? I. That's a great question. I.
1: The problem with him as a character, I guess, is that he really his whole identity is like Jane. That's really. I mean. Yeah. At this point, he, his father I, and Jane. Yeah. That's really it, and so and Michael at least has like the police part. So he's exploring, he's trying to find scene Rostro, He's doing like, he has that new partner or whatever, who is kind of shady. I feel like maybe it's going to be evil, but maybe not. <laughs> um, but so he at least has something else going on. If he's not with Jane, I don't, that's a great point. I don't really know what would happen. Um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where all of this stuff goes because, like, always, all the Villanueva family things, like, great. I could stay in that family forever. All of their stories are working for me. Um, I loved all of the stuff with Rogelio and, like, his ex-wife coming back. Like, that all really worked for me. But Luisa is a comedic presence that I appreciate. But her, I don't know how they're going to justify, I don't know, her, like, revelation that she's kind of still into Rose a little bit creeped me out because... Rose mm. murdered her dad. Like,
0: yeah, that that actually happened. <laughs> so... Yeah, I feel like they don't know what to do with that character. They, I think they like the actor, and I mm-hmm. like her too. I think she's done done a good job, but they don't. She isn't a person, and I feel like almost all, like every now and again, they let her be a person for a moment. Yeah, but they've sabotaged her so fully in some of these other ways that I don't know. They it, they would have to spend. Like, we're talking resuscitate Laurel Lance levels of energy to get us reinvested in the character. To, to build up, like, her relationship with Raph, for example. Um, because that at this point, that relationship is all but destroyed. Um, so, what, what can they do with that character to make her feel rounded and, yes, heightened. Everybody on the show is heightened. But feel like a person. Um, I'm I'm not sure. And the same thing, I also have the same issue with Petra right now. I mean, she, the whole like, I'm sure they'll come up with something. I'm sure they had they'd not come up with. I'm sure they already have a plan, or they wouldn't have had her get pregnant with the second miracle baby. Um, and I liked the the that Raph mentioned that like you'd wanted a kid forever, and this worked, and it shouldn't have worked, and that's great. But I need, I need all these people to stop being so defined by one relationship in their life.
1: Yeah. I am. I was really, I was thinking she's going to inseminate herself and it's not going to take. And then she's just going to realize maybe I need to like move on with my life. But then they made Petra pregnant. I was like, we're having a second pregnancy show. Like this is really, we just had a pregnancy. Literally there is a new baby that just happened. Mm -hmm. And, I like, I really enjoy Petra as a character when she isn't involved with relationships, especially with Raph and even kind of with Milos. But I think she's a really cool character because she's a little bit, she's a little bit crazy, but in a really endearing way. And I think sometimes she comes mm-hmm. off as, and so I'm like, what, where are we going with this pregnancy plot? Is it's, I liked her a lot more when she was doing hotel focused things. And now she's kind of, back to baby. And I think the show is not mean enough that they would make her miscarry. I don't know. I think that's really mean. They've already, she's already had a miscarriage. So I'm like, well, if we're going to do this baby thing, like I'm, I'm trusting that the show knows where it's going with it. But at this point it's, it's not my high, I don't have a high investment in where that story
0: goes. So. Well, yeah, cause it feels like that's what needs to happen. It needs to miscarry. Kinda. But are they going to, like, I can't, as soon as they have her say that she wants the kid, then that's really harsh because we've already seen her deal with losing the baby before. So yeah, yeah it's And we're saying this, and they'll have some amazing answer, we'll of be course. like, "Of course, how could we ever have thought?" But um, but yeah, it's I will, you know, I'm again, I can't say I'm uneasy or I'm worried because I do trust the writers. I just don't. It's one of those things where I don't see what they can do. But I'm sure they will have an answer. Any other any other thoughts on on Jane? It'd be kind of nice to get in Abuela boiler storyline. Like well, they they're doing one, but she's not getting screen time.
1: I know. I want her. We should check in with her green card. I hope they checked in soon about how her green card's going. Is she taking mm-hmm. her classes? Like what's going on with that? I'm excited. <laughs> um. Yeah. I really. I think that I. Lena is a character who the show says is Jane's best friend, but doesn't really show up that much. Um, but I really appreciated a more of a focus on Lena and her birthday and their friendship. And I thought it's good because sometimes while Jane has such a strong relationship with her mom and her grandmother, it sometimes does seem like she has no friends and it's just these two dudes that are fighting in her life and sometimes her dad. Um, so it was nice to have a more of a focus on her her friendship, her best friend um, and see kind of how motherhood has changed their friendship and their relationship in a different way than like in a relationship with a guy. Um, and I loved their choreographed dance to hot in here. I was like, I'm feeling <laughs> that in the club.
0: Bust that one out. <laughs> Uh, like gina rodriguez uh her delivery of oh i'm pumping and dumping it oh, was I like know. one of my favorite things in the episode so yeah, i absolutely agree and I, that was well that was very overdue and and to build that into the storyline the fact that she, <laughs> lena's also like guys i haven't had much time of the show i should be a more significant so part of the show right now uh is is kind of nice so yeah i absolutely agree um, let's move on though to our next show because we're already running long, uh, for this segment and we haven't started talking about crazy ex-girlfriend and I'm going to a date with Joss's friend and how amazing it is for so many, like I saw that settle for me video before I watched the, the episode. I I was excited when I saw the promo for it the week before. Yeah. Um, and how excited am I that that is not the highlight of this episode. I am saying the Fred and Ginger black and white tapsolo is not the highlight. Damn crazy ex girlfriend, you brought it this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I,
1: this is the episode that really, I think all of the different elements of the show really clicked for me. Um, I've been watching it and really enjoying it, but also kind of seeing in a lot of ways that some of the story feels very paint by numbers. Um, I think that the music videos and the musicals are so good, and then sometimes the story kind of feels like, oh, we have to have a story. Ugh, let's put in the story part, and I and the characters are growing into themselves. And this episode, I really felt like everything flowed together in a way that made sense to me. Um, the the story and the music and the music and um, the comedy and like the ways that it de- it delve into different characters. I really. This week was like, yes, show. This is the show that I've been waiting for that I knew was in the pilot, but haven't seen for a couple episodes. Like now it's back.
0: It's so much more cohesive. The whole thing, Mm -hmm. it's not, let's have a song to have a song. It's let's have a song to, to discuss where Rachel is at, uh, emotionally. And what, I mean, the, the, when the reprise comes back of settle for me, it was like, yes, this is what it, it felt like a musical for the mm-hmm. first time, as opposed to a show that has songs. Yeah. And that's an important distinction. So I absolutely agree. This is the show at its, at it, like, this is the, everything coming together. And it could fall apart next week. It could not work again immediately. And I, for me being such a fan of classical musicals and like the old MGM and like all black and white, the RKO musicals uh, of the, like the thirties and forties, like this is in my wheelhouse. Absolutely. But I think also tying into those more universal themes and and just rom com beats really helps this episode because not only like yes there's the settle for me number that I really liked but they lead into settle with me settle for me with what is basically the Darcy proposal uh-huh. from Pride and Prejudice of like I'm trying to not like you but I can't help it and I know I shouldn't and like you're bad for me. But go out with me <laughs> anyways, like that's that's the Darcy proposal, the first one. Um and if you're listening to this and you don't know that, I'm very confused. Uh go read slash watch slash watch the miniseries of Pride and Prejudice. Um but I don't think that's an accident that they, they they're drawing on these really familiar tropes, but they're doing it in a a different enough way for because of who that main character is and how she handles it and how she reacts to everything. I love that Josh is not the main part of this episode for her. It's not when things come to a head, it's not because of Josh. It's because of her. And that's such an important distinction. I, I think that
1: I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of the way for the first time, I think that I saw how Greg and Josh, could both kind of be like in a relationship with Rebecca, but also how for the first time I was like, oh, she's not just pining after this dude. He actually seems to appreciate qualities. Josh actually seems to appreciate qualities in her and, and brings out a more positive side to her. And then equal parts like her and Greg's fascination with the triangle shirtwaist factory fire. So Good. Oh, and talking about just like really vibing on their date and having a ton of fun. Um, I thought that was really nice too because for for the first time maybe ever maybe not it really seemed everything seemed more balanced to me it didn't seem so like hyper obsessive which I mean the show is kind of built around that but I appreciated a little bit more balance that but she could she was helping out Josh and Josh was appreciating that and she and Greg were like hanging out and they were enjoying each other's company. And then kind of everything went to crap. But, but before that, it was yeah. really good.
0: Any thoughts on, I know it's called sex with a stranger, but I'm sorry. It's do a murderer. Uh, any other, any thoughts on that? I, that was, I want to say
1: that was a very real music video for any <laughs> for anything in life where I ever have met a person that I don't know really well. I'm like, you could murder me. This could be real. Yeah, like that easily could have been a music video about like living with people on Craigslist or any anything involved in yeah. internet meeting. I'm like, you seem cool, but please don't murder me. So yeah. I, I thought it was. I also just really enjoyed the way that the show engages with female sexuality. Like the whole episode, she was like, "Yes, I mean, I have sex with you. No, I'm not. Like, leave." Or, "Yes, <laughs> I'm going to make this choice." I just thought that was so refreshing, and it didn't try to it didn't try to diminish her as a person who had wants and needs and desires. Um, Instead, it tried to tell a story of like, maybe all these things aren't so great because she's not in the best place instead of kind of shaming her for her choices. So I always appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. And again, it is very, it lets for all of her foibles and all of her, her issues that she's dealing with. Rachel is such a beautifully confident person. And so, so, so uh, respectful of herself and her own power, um, in certain ways, absolutely not in others. But in in a scene in a scene where she like says, "No, get get the get the f out of my house." Uh, like a lot of people wouldn't have the confidence to say that, or when she's dealing with work, or when she's pulling Josh by the arm and to say, "No, you're going to give my friend this job because he deserves it." uh at the same point she also has s- such severe self-loathing going on that she can't she has to push Greg away because she's too terrified that he actually likes her for her she mm-hmm. can't handle it like so there's there's a lot of stuff going on but I love that they don't pigeonhole her that they respect her uh and and her choices and, and like you said they don't shame her she just picks up a guy in a bar and takes takes her home and then goes you know what this is probably not a good choice it doesn't mean that it's a bad choice or a wrong choice or that that I that it was a bad thing for me to do in the first place. Um, but I'm gonna not make that choice anymore, and that's fine, mm. and I'm allowed to do that. And I, I, I just I and I and it doesn't have the like the guy is like, wait, what's happening? But we don't see him shame her either and I think that's mm-hmm. an important choice. Um and when we get what we get you know, Greg doesn't shame her either. He Mm -hmm. should! You'd think on any other show he would, but instead he's just hurt. It's not Mm -hmm. about, you're a slut because you did this. It's you did this to hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's a very important distinction. So, a lot of great stuff. If you can't tell, listeners, I really like this this week. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Do you think they can sustain this?
1: I don't know. This is my... This is my worry is that there are so many interesting pieces to this show, but before this episode, it felt I could choose a piece that I absolutely loved. Um, Like the episode previous to this was her throwing a house party, right? Was that the Mm -hmm. right one? And so there was like a great music video where Josh, there were like four Joshes and it was boy band made of four Joshes. Exactly. It was like a parody of all the Backstreet Boys In think one direction videos and, talking about mental health and like how all these guys were like licensed professional therapists and stuff that I loved. I could, I watched that video like six times. Um, but the rest, but a lot of the episode fell flat to me. And so it's I really, I don't know. It's an interesting show. I think that's the thing that I keep coming back to with crazy ex-girlfriend is I'm never bored. I am confused. I'm frustrated. I'm like, I don't really like this. I really love this. I feel like I vacillate between every episode and every moment, but it's never boring and it has a point of view. And I think for me, there's so much television. So I'd rather watch something that's like kind of messy if it's figuring itself out and has something to say versus something that's so put together. But I kind of feel like it doesn't have a lot to say. So.
0: Yeah. Well, and for me, I don't know that the the show is going to make any end of your list for me, but this episode is going to be in contention for me for like, Best episodes of the second half of the year because that's something mm-hmm. we do at Pop-Up Deck is uh, best episodes of the first half of the year and the second half of the year we make a big list. Um, and this one, this as a s like a complete unit. This one really does stand out to me. But you know another one that also really stands out to me. You're the worst LCD sound system.
2: Ooh!
0: First of all, Justin Kirk killing it this year because he also showed up uh, for a as a main very like, basically co co lead of an episode of Manhattan this season mm-hmm. and killed it. Uh, and then he does that here as well. So uh, love that that he's was so featured on these two shows like within weeks of each other. And again, killed at both times. Um, well, for those who haven't seen, would you like to describe what happens this week? Yes. So instead of focusing
1: on our main characters, Gretchen and Jimmy, the show opens on two kind of random people, a married couple, um, who it kind of in the beginning looks like it could be um, Jamie and Gretchen but it ends up not being and they have a kid so it kind of goes through their day to day they do kind of normal stuff they like drop their kid off at daycare the husband goes to band practice the wife goes to work they like get a coffee together and it isn't until they're home like hanging out and watching Netflix that you kind of see the lead in to where the show is connecting to these other main characters that we usually hang out with where Gretchen's hiding in the bushes like outside their house staring at them as they're engaging kind of in their life. And the show rewinds back from that moment showing that Gretchen has kind of zeroed in on these people um, and has been kind of tailing them. Um, and Stalking
0: them. She's been stalk- stalking yeah. them.
1: I don't want to be too mean because I like Gretchen, but yeah, she's been stalking them and kind of pining after their seemingly perfect life together where they're married, they're happy, they have a kid, they're both successful, they're still kind of like cool adults. Um, they talk about cool things and like whatever they do in Los Angeles, but she really is longing after a life that looks like that. And so has latched onto these people as images of what that life could be like. And it is so sad and so
0: good. Yeah. Well, and then of course what spoiler alert, go watch it. If you haven't seen it, what she finds out is that this narrative she's constructed for them is not true. And they're just as as insecure and at times unhappy and they're having the same struggles as everybody else and they don't have an answer. They don't, that isn't the answer. And so, and her realization of that and the crumbling of this, this idea of this is how I could be happy. This is how, if I just need to be like these guys and they haven't figured out and if they can figure it out, then I can figure it out. And it just destroys her um, at the end of the episode. And Again, Ayakashi killing it all Mm -hmm. season, but tremendous performance from her. And I I also I love that this it's such a confident thing to do. We talked about the confidence with Master of None, but we don't see any main character until like we're gotta be like ten minutes in, maybe at least, yeah, yeah. And that's these are just random random people we're following, and this is a show that is very. Underwatch, underseen, um and so to have and i guess this is what you can do when you're on fx or fxx is you can just trust that you're not going to get noted on this and the, the show the network will go with you but um super confident and and it lets her be creepy and sad like for a moment you think she's gonna kidnap their daughter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like like legitimately, I'm concerned how are they gonna walk back from this? It looks like she's about to kidnap a child um and but they they make it they manage to make it work like they give her some really tricky stuff to to play um, but because we're so invested in Gretchen and where she's at, and how lost she feels right now they managed to thread the needle with it. Um, I, it's, I think it's incredibly impressive.
1: Mm hmm. I, I think too, it's just like one, the whole show. I love the show. Like I love the show and it premiered. It was like one of my favorite, if not my favorites of 2014. And I am so, I've been so pleased with the season, but I really think the show's decision to, to really dive into what Gretchen's depression, um, has, has felt like, and has, been experienced by her um and this this episode is kind of an episode of her trying to cope or like find a coping mechanism and doing it in like the horrible destructive wrong ways um but it's the show's really come it's been really electrified for me and I already really liked it so I was like you don't need to sell me on this anymore show I already really (laughs) I'm all in but it's been it's been such it's like been a gift I just feel like every time I tune into You're the Worst, I'm like, oh, what is it going to tell me this week? And it's and this episode was so heartbreaking. And I think I'm not sure how because it's not really like there's a cure. It's not like Gretchen's going to get better from what she's experiencing. So I'm intrigued to see like how the show is going to keep exploring because it still has some episodes left before the finale. And I don't know. It's it's a really great portrait of like people's helplessness in the face of living with mental illness and if you're like in a relationship like how do you help people but I I'm the thing that I do think about this show is that because of such a focus on Gretchen Jimmy's kind of I think been neglected and probably not a bad way but he's he's coming off as like a real dick
0: because she
1: Because we're seeing a lot of the show from her perspective as someone who's struggling with depression in a really intense way in this time in her life. And he's just like not getting it. And it is that's so hard because I thought in the first season and even in part of the second, the first part of the second, they both kind of didn't get it and they were not getting it together. And then through that made their relationship work. But I really feel like he's not getting it at all. And she's just kind of floundering mm-hmm. like the last scene of the episode just broke me where she's crying next to him and he doesn't even notice oh my gosh
0: mm-hmm. it was so bad yeah well and the the gleam in is she's like you have to know you can't fix me mm-hmm. he says i understand and then immediately he's like i'll fix her and, yeah and i think that's an important conversation to have and to, for them to show he means well, but that's that's not how it works. That's not how depression works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's such an important conversation to have and such an important thing to to show. Um, and in a prolonged and thoughtful way, not just in a very special episode with a character who's then written off. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Like you say, there isn't a Band-Aid. It's, there are ups and downs and you know, based on what Lindsay said to her, is this going to be like those three weeks where you didn't move. Um, who knows how long it'll last this, this, you know, this depression that she's in, who knows how long it'll last. And if there's like medication she can take that can help or not, or who knows what they're going to do on the show. But um, I love that. They're so fully engaging with it. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I didn't miss uh, Lindsay uh this this in edgar this week which is yeah. saying so much because they're great they are great
1: i know yeah. it was really it felt just like um just like really good episodes of television it felt kind of like a like a play it felt mm-hmm. i it's it's colored by all of the things that i we know is the audience about the show um but i also really saw it as a really great like small contained one-act play about thinking that the grass is greener on the other side and being so incredibly let down when you realize like the people with the nice grass also have problems um yeah. it's not just you and that, grass is grass
0: yeah. yeah it
1: just is wherever it is that was really a very moving point in a very sad way i really
0: yeah
1: still think about that episode
0: well then what wins your week in comedy um, Hard Choices. You're the Worst or Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Or, I mean, maybe it's Jane, maybe it's Brooklyn, but what, 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 what was your week in comedy?
1: I think I really liked Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but I think You're the Worst takes it for me because it experimented with story and pulled it off so well. Um, I can't remember the last time I was really surprised by an episode of television, but that one really took me by surprise in a really
0: good way. And I'll give it to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. We can split between the okay. two that works we'll make that work uh but no absolutely agree fantastic episodes uh of both shows so now we will take a break and we'll come back with our week in genre and drama This week in genre and drama, we are not going to preview Into the Badlands, though it is starting next week on AMC, listeners, so if you're like, yay, quasi-Western sci-fi genre fantasy martial arts stuff. That's so many slashes. So all of the slashes. Only slashes. All slashes. The slashes. Yeah. Uh, then that's starting up this week on AMC, but uh, we are going to talk about the pilot of Flesh and Bone on Stars. We're going to talk about the season premiere of Elementary, and uh, I'll do a quick Kate's Roundup of Doc, uh, of Doctor Who, Fargo, uh, and the Nick. Before we talk a little leftovers, Lens, Eye Zombie, Love and Basketball, and we we'll round things out with with Arrow, Haunted, uh, or Constantine comes to Arrow, basically. Uh, but first, I'm so disappointed that we are going to be able to keep this super quick uh, because when I hear Moira Wally Beckett, uh, who among other things, you know, wrote a little episode called Ozymandias on Breaking Bad, as well as one of the main creative forces over there. Uh, and I hear ballet show with all the main characters being played by excellent dan- ballet dancers. Uh, and I hear Charlie from Center Stage is one of the main characters. Uh, and I hear Ben Daniels, um, who I've enjoyed many things, including Law and Order UK, is one of the leads. I expect to be super stoked, but this pilot is just bad. It's so bad. Bad. Why? Like, even the amazing dancing that's in it. And I love that we can see full uh, frame, full body dancing, because, of course, the main character and all well, the main cast is an actual ballerina who's really good. It's fabulous. It's wonderful to get those scenes. But that can't save this from being a... Like, it's trying the best comparison I have is low winter sun. It's trying so hard to be dark and gritty. Mm -hmm. And we've heard all these stories before and it doesn't seem to understand that. And I'm just so disappointed. How do you feel? That's, that's what I was going to say. I was, so I watched, I got a half hour into
1: it and I was like, no, I'm good. Like I, Mm -hmm. there was nothing, there was nothing that felt genuine. There was nothing for me to hold on to in the show in, in, I, it, it felt like it was being edgy just to be, just because they were like, oh, you know what people like on television? People saying the word like blowjob. We should put that in there and blah, 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 blah. Just like someone gave someone network notes to like watch The Dark Knight Rises and make everything like that, even the ballet dramas that we want to put on stars. And they're like, okay, great, we'll do it. It was just, I thought it was unnecessarily like provocative. And not in a good storytelling way, just in a like, well, let's throw this in way. And that to me comes off so disingenuous. And I hate when I watch shows and they feel disingenuous because I'm like, just like I was talking about earlier, things that feel really personal, I gravitate towards this. There was nothing personal, I felt. Um, I used to do ballet. I danced for a really long time. And so the dancing was beautiful. I I watched, I kept watching because I was like, oh, I hope they keep dancing, but then they but didn't. The char- then, then they didn't, and the characters were
0: boring. I didn't care about them. You said characters. That's so generous. So the the people that were present. Yeah, there are characters, and that's the problem. They're like, well, let's have. Well, and I also think if you're going to make a ballet show, you should watch the other ballet shows and movies. And make sure that they haven't all done these stories because the fresh off the bus, you know, Midwest or not, not from New York, out of town, young dancer who has an uphill battle, uh, uh, you know, ahead of her, but she's really good. Like that has like a twisted past and like, it's mysterious. Like, and, like, like that that is center stage, and then mm-hmm. all like the psychosexual stuff that they're trying to do is Black Swan, mm-hmm. and uh, like the thing with the the toenails falling off and, or like the not eating enough, like trying, like trying to get down and wait. So you don't get your period. And like these other things that they're trying to shock us with. So like anybody who's watching your ballet show has seen other ballet stuff or they wouldn't be watching. And the, this is not news to any of us. Like even just like the, uh, Oh, oh the, the character who strips on the side to make extra cash. It's like that. We've also, we've also seen that. That is not like a new, I- nothing in this is a new idea. And it's just very disappointing. Like if I want to watch an obsessive uh, power, um, like an obsessive impresario, um, who 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 needs to control a prima ballerina, I'll watch the Red Shoes because mm-hmm. you're not gonna beat, you're not gonna out Red Shoes the Red Shoes show. Mm-hmm. So why are you trying? I just, it's just so disappointing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it, and I think too there's
1: like you named all those things that would make me think oh this is going to be great and there's definitely never enough dance shows for my liking especially like good dance shows that's why even crazy ex-girlfriend when they break into like little musical numbers and they dance semi well and like oh we're back like this is so great so but i i'm kind of over too there were so many like the idea of a guy over being over all these young women and and like basically abusing them like verbally yeah. abusing And, and also, like, probably emotionally abusing them because he's involved with many of them. And, and like all of the very troublesome to me power dynamics. I was like, this is something that other shows have explored in more thoughtful ways. And I'm not really, I got, it got to a point where I was like, I'm not really interested in subjecting myself to this negativity Mm -hmm. at this moment. Like, there's nothing in this show that makes me want to do that.
0: So like, I've then, got all these like, episodes of masters of none. I could be watching. I've right <laughs> got to do other things with my life. Yeah, yeah. Life is too short. No, I fully, yeah, I co-sign. I absolutely agree. I'm, it makes me so sad to say, do not watch this ballet drama, ballet drama, not ballet, ballet drama from Moira Wally Beckett. Hopefully she does better on her next at bat. And I, I look forward to checking that out, but this is just bad. We've talked about this too long. Elementary, mm-hmm. Elementary premiere season three, uh, season three, four. What are they? Whatever they're up to right now. What okay. did you think? Any thoughts? I so I, I loved Elementary. I was so sad. I tuned
1: back in for this episode. And I was like, man, I love this show. I can't remember why I stopped watching. I think just because life I've had. Life and I had too much TV to watch, and I was enjoyable. My mom still religiously watches Elementary. She like keeps me up to date with what's happening, but we talk over the phone and she gives me an update. Um, but I really loved, um, I loved the show. I watched almost through season two and then fell out of love. I really enjoyed the premiere. I thought that just like we're talking about engaging with mental health, I think she, Elementary does such an amazing job with engaging in Sherlock's sobriety and addiction and his. And, like, the big shocker of last season was that he used again and he, like, recovery is a process. But the fact that the show is so willing to engage with him in that process and it really showed the consequences of his actions um, in, like, having him lose his job, having him break trust with friends and in relationships. And I, I, the show is so smart um, and people act like adults and, like, talk to each other. And it's so nice. I just enjoy that.
0: Like th- this is a show where one of my favorite things about it is frequently the fact that that uh, that uh, Jane dresses like a person, like yeah. when she comes down to get coffee in pajamas and they look like pajamas. It yeah. makes me happy. Like that's the kind of stuff that I love about this show because it, it, they like you say they feel like people. They actually they are, are mature adults that talk about things and they know each other. Uh, you know, jo- I said Jane, sorry, Joan. And uh, and Sherlock uh, know each other so well that they can have these conversations. And, and they don't need to have conversations a lot of the time when the writers let them not have conversations. Um, but because the actors can just play all that. They don't need these long monologues and speeches. And they also know where the other one is coming from. So that... Character the, that that relationship is constantly informing what's happening. Um, like you said, the consequences I think are are very important. That they they give some consequences, but more specifically, they give the, the consequences he's most concerned about is the way that he has hurt Jones' mm-hmm. prospects. Um, he's much more concerned about that. And again, that's a good statement of character and in the conversation they have about about this. I think works really well. And I also like the distinction Joe makes between her relationship with Sherlock now and her relationship when she was a sober companion. Um, and I think that's an important distinction to make. I like that the show does it. Um, and I will see what happens. I mean, the Brie and John Noble as the elder Holmes, which it's always going to be good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think this was a solid premiere, a strong return um, for the show and a nice way to like, just kind of touch base with everything before, noble like in that character shakes things up so Mm -hmm. i i I, yeah i really like elementary it's one of those ones that i rarely talk about in the televerse but i usually keep up with so wanted to mention it here um so doctor who had the zygon two-part of my reviews up at pop optic and uh part one's better than part two as is so frequently the case uh but it's just kind of fun to watch jenna coleman get to play an evil doppelganger everybody loves an evil twin right like Everybody loves an evil twin, but uh, <laughs> and that that's fun. Most of it works, not all of it, but you guys can check out my review over at Pop Optic for that. Uh, Fargo, fear, and trembling. The season's really moving along nicely. I like that the Patrick Wilson character has everything pretty much figured out. UFO sightings is like a running theme on this season. That's delightful. Ooh. Yeah, that's the thing. That 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 is the correct face to make when hearing about this Elena without having watched it. But that is, I love that that's just like a recurring beat, uh, and they usually have an answer for what they're seeing, but it's still imagery the show's playing with, so I think that's fascinating. Uh, Offerman was back this week, very briefly, but looking forward to more from him. I think the real standout for me at this point is the Mike Milligan character, Bokeem Woodvine, uh, is doing a really fantastic job in the role, and uh, so much... Uh, such such a memorable and such a effective character. I really look forward to what's gonna happen next with them. But uh yes, another fantastic episode of Fargo and on the Nick, yay! Uh Stragatha is cleared thanks to the help of some other people. I thought that was delightful. I like that they steer clear of the um the, the the odd couple um her crashing on the ambulance driver's uh Cleary's uh couch thing. Um I also really like That they gave Thak a win, even if it required baking somebody at 107 degrees, basically, to kill the syphilis in their brain with a fever. And then, like, they gave her, like, malaria. And then they, once they got to 107 degrees, which should kill you, by the way, uh, that killed the syphilis. And then they were able to save her life. Uh, Crazy stuff on the Nick. But it was nice to have... Only one horrendously gory thing happened when a guy's face blew up. They're also doing a they're also engaging with the conversation about Jeanette, uh, of eugenics, which is a thing that was going on in this time period. People have been like, Oh, absolutely. Um, it's just a horrible thing that took hold way in like a scarily big way in the country at that time. Um, so I like that that's a significant recurring plot this thing this season. So another again, gorgeous lighting cinematography direction on, on the nick this season just like it was last season and so much fun but we're gonna move swiftly on because i gotta know what you thought of the leftovers because you have not seen the leftovers but you watched this episode and i think that's awesome what, I... <laughs> how much of this could you follow if any okay and uh what did you think what did i think well here's what i think so i knew basically
1: what the premise is because it's a big favorite of many people and it just was never i it was just never a show that i was like yeah i'll spend time watching this so i just never got You're into like it.
0: sounds fun people being <laughs> depressed all the time exactly i was like oh maybe not that's, but that's not
1: necessarily a reason that i wouldn't watch a show but so i kind of know okay some people have gone been whisked away and other people are hanging out and Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of that, like, a very classic, like, rapture story that is exploring, well, what does it feel like to be left behind? So I was like, got that. The, probably, probably what would have been better is if I had watched any other episodes before this. Because, well, it did kind of act a lot as a contained story with Christopher Eccleston and his wife who is in a coma and then kind of their journey.
0: Oh, that was last week. (laughs) Oh, did I not watch the most recent one? No, you watched the one from last week. But I still keep – go- keep going. I am well, still want to know what you
1: thought. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I watched that one. And um, it was so – it was so dark and so sad. And I was watching it and then, like, t- just feeling very heavy in the emotions of the show, which I guess is good because that was – they were really conveying them. But I also – I asked people on – twitter i was like so do we know if this guy he so he takes his wife to the doctor and the doctor's like she's pregnant but she's also in a coma this is problematic because she can't give consent and i was like so do we know if she actually woke up or not because that's what he's claiming that at one point she woke up and then they had consensual sex and now she's pregnant and I asked everybody on Twitter, I was like, D- so do we know this? And they're like, we don't know. It's a mystery. And I'm like, show. That <laughs> entire show is a mystery about why these people got taken, or why these other people got left. Like, So the whole episode, I was like, is Christopher Eccleston like, a good guy or not? I can't figure it out. I have no backstory for him, so I'm like, I don't know what else happened with him. And then he ends up like kind of sacrificing his life at the end, sort of, to take the place of another guy who is Standing in the outside compound with the yeah. people, I was like, I don't know what's happening now. But he takes the place of a guy who's like basically a Jesus metaphor. He takes yeah, the he's, place. He's in the
0: stocks, yeah,
1: yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe, all right. And then it ended, and I was like, <laughs> I, I, okay. And the other thing is, I usually I like television in general. I'm like a pretty. Even killed person. I do not like this show. I it. <laughs> I, no, not at all. they everyone was so mean to each other, which I guess is kind of the point of it. But I was like, man, I cannot watch this week in, week out. Although Regina King is supposed to be really great in it, but I was like
0: not, nah. she's not in that one. No, not it. No. Yeah, I was like, maybe that's why. Maybe I need to watch yeah. one. Else. No, the the ones, there have been one episode in the first season and one episode in the second season that have followed that Chris Eccleston character very closely. Um, Just like all his point of view. This is the one for the second season. And, um, yeah, we do not know what happened. They, They do not show us her waking up. But they did show, they did have him tell... Um, when he first gets into town, he, t- he tries to tell the congregation a mir- We experienced a miracle. It was this amazing thing happened our first night here, um, and the the his buddy goes like, Jump. "You're mm-hmm. gonna get, like don't say anything else." Um. So, and and he said then told Nora a couple episodes, his sister a couple episodes later that that she had woken up. So he was at least claiming this from the start of the season. So you believe what you want to believe. Because um, we don't know, but at I least it wasn't Ecclestone like. Is a little bit horrible, so probably he's lying. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, in in the Eccleston episodes, that character it just basically like he says, "What's your favorite book of the Bible?" And it's Job. He's a of Job. Course. he's a Job metaphor. So not everyone is terrible um, on the show, in a normal episode. Maybe. But <laughs> but but I absolutely completely get where you're coming from. This week's episode, it's it's a shame because this week's episode is, like, all Regina King and Carrie Coon. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to tell you you should watch it, because I, I enjoy how visceral response of no you had to the show. You should trust that. It was very, it was very strong. But um they're amazing in this mm-hmm. episode. And the, way, the scene that climaxes the episode, it's the two of them talking, because Regina King's daughter has disappeared, and some people are claiming that she... There was a second... There was another departure, and she was taken... Like this time later, these years later, um, and so the Carrie Coon character uh, asks asks her a series of questions, gives her this questionnaire that um, is, is supposed to determine whether or not this person departed or not, um, and it's just very some very random questions and some very personal questions very uncomfortable questions but the the direction of the scene is super close ups right in their faces back like cutting back and forth fantastic amazing riveting performances from from both women and um yeah they i thought is a stellar episode there's some other stuff in in the episode that is interesting not as interesting. But I like that they're moving the, the Kevin storyline. Um Kevin has an imaginary friend basically. Mm. <laughs> he's not a friend. It's a negative force in his life. But you don't and you don't know if he's crazy or not. Um it's a gen like his father also has some, you know, sees people. Um so you don't know really what's going on with him. He's probably crazy, but who knows. And they I like that they moved that storyline forward this week, um, instead of just teasing it out. Um but yeah for me I absolutely get where you're coming from. I actually love the show. Uh, but I totally get it. Um, so that is fascinating. And I'm sorry you didn't like it, <laughs> no, but thank you for watching it. Cause that was, was, yeah, but it's really interesting because I also, I can like
1: see why people like it. It's not that I don't get why people watch it. Cause I do. I watched <laughs> it and I was like, parts of this are really captivating, but I, um, man, you don't need it
0: in your life. Yeah.
1: I don't. I don't. <laughs> So I was like, everyone else can tell me how great it is, and I will appreciate their opinions, and I will just be over here with other TV that I enjoy. So. That's
0: basically exactly what Noel said. He's like, nope, <laughs> when he came yeah. on the podcast, I am not a leftovers person.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so
0: you can, you and Noel can just go have a, right. a a happy picnic while we all, the rest of us, like talk about the the, the leftovers. Um, but a show that I know you do have a, a very fond place in your heart for is I Zombie, Love mm-hmm. and Basketball. And uh, which this, again, for me, yes, there's other stuff, but this is very much the major show right now. Um, mm-hmm. So very, very glad to get some forward progress with major personally. Uh, what did you think of this episode and how how are you feeling about the season?
1: I so, okay. I appreciated the forward movement, but I am hoping that it's an episode of quick forward movement because there's going to be a crash because I felt like it too easily resolved itself that he was like, wait, I'm addicted to drugs. No, I'm good. Deuces. Toss these drugs out. I'm in love with you. Like, let's get back together. It was really quick. I appreciated that kind of they they didn't tease out the relationship and their antagonism with each other too much. Because I thought it would have gotten repetitive if it had gone on too long. But um, but I also I thought it was just too quick of a resolution. So I was like, okay. Maybe this is a quick resolution because really he hasn't dealt with all this stuff and other other things are going to happen. Right. Like Liv still doesn't know that he's killing zombies and and being this hired this hired hitman and engaging in all these things that probably are not going to make her happy. So the other shoe will drop sometime. But I but yeah, he's Robert Buckley. I am so happy that I did not so quickly dismiss him because season one, I was like, man, this guy's kind of boring. He's pretty and just like hanging out, but he's really gone through such, his character major's gone through such a transformation and he's so captivating and he plays all these different like notes. He goes from this really kind of like stereotypical love interest guy to being really dark and brooding and and having relationships and, and struggling with like moral quandaries. He's so captivating. It's really, I'm, I'm very impressed with him.
0: Good yeah. job. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I, I love that you bring up this uh, question of majors drug use, because this is something we talked about on the podcast last week. I don't think they showed him being addicted. I think they showed him using, mm. but I don't think like, and so if he's supposed to be an addict, They have not – that's way too easy. I would be very frustrated. So – but you are now the second guest in a row to say, no, he's supposed to be addicted.
1: Well, okay, here's my reasoning behind this.
0: Because if – it's one thing if it's, like,
1: recreational. Like, Robbie used it recreationally when they were at the club. That's Mm -hmm. one thing. But he's consistently using it. He's using it in, in emotional moments to deal with trauma and his feelings he's like going out in creepy alleyways to buy drugs because he ran out of drugs at his house. I don't know. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like pretty classic addiction behavior. Um, whether the show is calling it that or not, I don't know. That's another story. But to me, the story, if he was just like occasionally using it, that would be one thing. But the show seemed like, hey, this is a big problem. Like Major is engaging with all this drug use. Mm-hmm. So I, that's kind of, that was a frustrating note for me i'm like if we're gonna engage with drugs like let's go the elementary route and like be responsible about how we're showing people hit bottom even yeah but but maybe but but you could be right like maybe the show is just like he just did drugs for a little bit and now he's good i don't know well i I feel
0: like i need to see more of like a physical addiction yeah as opposed to just like a i use this to help me get through the day you know like Mm -hmm. between you know the person who comes home and has a glass of wine and the person who gets up and has a glass of wine. Like mm. I, I, I need to see the difference there. So I, it'd be nice if the show would kind of, uh, would define more what mm. he's dealing with so that we can know what his story supposed to be. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. If he's supposed to, if he's supposed to just have, have, you know, cracked his addiction by flushing his stash, um, that's very irresponsible storytelling. So, uh, we'll see, hopefully better things. I like that they introduced and then crushed the, uh, the dreams of, of a, uh, cure Mm -hmm. immediately. I like that they discovered something else and then had Robbie make the choice to destroy it. And that's clearly going to come back in a big way by the end of the season. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that I like in this episode, even, uh, Even if it's not one of the, the, the case of the week is not one of the more interesting, but it's, Mm. I'm just, I'm just so glad to get more major stuff. And I agree with you about Buckley. Mm Mm-hmm. Good time. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our last show of the week then. And that is Arrow, Haunted, or Constantine comes on Arrow (laughs) and shows up and like is, is Constantine. I love that they use the theme. I Mm love, Matt Ryan is so, so much fun and, uh, it just—it was a very natural fit. He fits into this world really well. And honestly, better than he did on his show. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of the Constantine. I know a lot of people out there really liked it, but uh, I'm not a fan of the Constantine, Constantine TV show. So um, I'm, I'm hoping he'll pop up time, time and again. And I think that he's a very valuable resource for the show. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you feel about all the storylines right now, but this was a fun one at least. Uh, how are you feeling about this season? And what did you think of, of Haunted?
1: So I watched all of the season in, on a Saturday. So I think, too, I felt great about it because I didn't have to wait. And so I saw, what was this episode? Five? Four? Five, something like five, that. Something yeah. like that. I, having it condensed, as per usual with TV watching, made it a little bit gentler because I kind of went from one episode to the other. So I, I don't know, I really didn't like last season and was really not looking forward to catching up again, except that it kept pulling me back in because it was like, guess what? We're going to have Echo Kellum, who you love from Ben and Kate. I was like, all right. And then there's Parker Young from Enlisted. And I was like, all right, y'all, I see what you're doing. So I was like, intrigued to see how it was going to come back. I think that, um, some of it has felt very table setting me for Legends of Tomorrow, especially with like the Ray stuff and the Sarah stuff in Haunted. Yeah. I was excited yep. that Sarah got her soul back. But I mean,
0: like, did anyone think that wasn't going to happen? It was just know. so easy. It was just like Constantine did some fighting and they're like, we're going to pull you out of a well because exactly. there's and a spinoff. Yeah. And that's what we got. You only um, killed bad people. We stopped you from killing anybody who wasn't a mugger. come on something but I do
1: but it does feel like a better show to me now because for some who knows how they decided that maybe making Ollie constantly keep secrets and be really brooding all the time like didn't really work and they're like maybe we should have him like agree with people and be more amicable in general and I'm really enjoying that (laughs) because, because he's not because he's not being so I don't know all of the problems with a lot of the problems for last season was with the way that he just engaged in his leadership. And I was like, you're kind of mean to every single person. Why are they helping you save like Starling? There's no reason you're really not a great leader, but this, but the he's been softened as a character with his new mission. And now he's green arrow instead of normal arrow. I don't know. That was a weird choice show, but he's softened a little bit. And so I've been really enjoying that dynamic. Um, the show to me feels a lot more ensemble, feels like a more cohesive ensemble than I think it has in the past. And I don't really, but I am intrigued, like last season felt really like setting up for something else with so much of Ray's story. Cause it was, and this season still kind of feels like it's setting up for a spinoff. And I'm wondering like, what's it going to be like when Arrow is just Arrow and it isn't setting up for anything.
0: It would be wonderful if they would just let it be its own show yeah. again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is a significant issue. Other, I mean, then again, last season, anything that wasn't Ray wasn't, and this, the Ray stuff I actually liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, last season had had its issues, but um, yeah, I do think that has really hampered the show this season because they are feeling the need to like stretch out all these things that all of us know are only happening so they can do a spin-off. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Ray stuff is more interesting, at least. That's had an emotional journey that felt legit for, for Felicity. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Echo Kellum's great, so it's wonderful to see him pop up. But uh, the stuff with, with Sarah, I mean, I don't buy for a moment that that is what Laurel would do. Because that is not where – If if we had seen her be destroyed still over her sister's death, I could see her making that choice. But, like, why would she not – did she not know about the Lazarus pit before? How could she not have known? I and... thought she didn't know.
1: And that's why she was like, wait, there's Lazarus pit. Psych. I'm really not over this. Let's yeah. go save my sister. Yeah. So, I... which kind of made sense, but still felt very much like, okay. So point C is that Sarah's on legends of tomorrow and she's not like just a soulless, like killer. Yeah. So we have to like trace back from that. How do we have to get this person to that point? It I I felt like I saw where they were drawing back from, and that's never a fun thing to see in the narrative. Like I don't want to see your seams.
0: Well, even tell me a story. And Flash is doing Earth Two right now. Yeah. So you could like, you know, have her be Earth Two, Sarah, or one of the main characters is a time traveler. There's so many options. There's so many ways you could have done this without having to make it like. I don't know. I, we'll see, we'll see where it goes, but I agree. It's definitely a step up this season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's a, the casting of, of actors on beloved, uh, one season sitcoms on Fox. Just keep working. that up. It's working. yeah. y'all. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what wins your week in genre and drama, Elena? Hmm. What wins my week? I'm trying to think back. It's flesh <laughs> and bone, isn't it? I, I, I know. God, it's not.
1: I really think, you know what? I really was impressed with Elementary. Like, I'm giving it to Elementary because that was such a solid, confident season premiere. And I'm really excited to see John Noble. Every time he pops up, he's great. So I'm mm-hmm. excited to see where the season goes with him.
0: Fair enough. And I'm going to give it to the leftovers because I love that show. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you uh, at least had fun with Elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to take a break and we'll come back with our DVD shelf on Parks and Rec. Miss No.
2: There's a drunk stuck in the slide. Sir, this, this is a children's slide. You're not allowed to sleep what in is... here.
0: You know, when I first tell people that I work in the government, they say, oh, the government, the government stinks, the lines are too long, the DMV. But now things have changed. People need our help. And it feels good to be needed.
2: Could you put your arms to your side? Would... And that might help you slide down a little easier. You know... Do you want to come this way? Uh, uh... Okay, we're going to need you can to get out. Go away. Get out of the slide. Okay? You're... Here we go. Uh, Okay, wake up. Here we go. Out of the slide. You know, government isn't just a boys' club anymore. Women are everywhere. It's a great time to be a woman in politics. Hillary Clinton, Sarah Palin, me, Nancy Pelosi. We did it!
0: You know, I I like to tell people, you know, get on board and buckle up because my ride's going to be a big one. And if you get motion sickness, put your head between your knees because Leslie Nope's stopping for no one. I'm back with the televerse this is kate kalsik tv editor over at pop optic and i'm joined this week once again by one of our contributors and a contributor over at televixen miss elena rivera uh and this week we are talking about uh a show that is very dear to my heart and i think i had underestimated just how much i i love this show because i because i started i think i started to take it for granted because it did have a couple seasons ago i did like kind of dip down in quality for me at least a little bit before coming up for a really strong final season. Um but going back and and rewatching even like the season one episodes was just I just love Parks and Rec so much. So what made you want to talk about this show? Well I didn't even think about this, but Master of None just came out. So I've been thinking a
1: lot about Parks and Rec in general. Master and None being Aziza's new show and um, there being a lot of like crossover with writers and Harris Whittle's wonderful writer who's passed away, who was on parks and, um, also I guess co-created master of none. So it's thematic this week cause that show just came out, but I, I've been thinking a lot about parks and recreation as a show. It was my favorite show. I, it might say it's like my favorite show that has existed. That might be too bold of a claim, but I might claim it. Um, uh, huh. I was thinking about it really because of the parks and ham tag that came on Twitter with parks and rec characters mashing up to Hamilton musical lyrics and realized, Oh wow. I haven't thought about parks and rec in a while. Um, and it's been now that I'm distanced from the finale. Um, I think that, yeah, just like you were saying, Kate, I, I, I think I took it for granted a little bit, all of the things that it does so well and has done so well, um, just some really effortlessly fun storytelling. And It was really, really nice to revisit it this week. Um, it's, I think it will, as a show, I was just looking at the ratings, like got like five million viewers, give or take, maybe on a, on a good day. Um, but I think it's legacy in television is going to be so much more widespread than that. Um, and it, I think about all of the protagonists that I really love. Um, and I think that, like, Jane being one of the protagonists I really love in Jane the Virgin and seeing a lot of similarities between her kindness and Leslie's kindness and how, in a lot of ways, Leslie Note being strong and kind and funny was a real, like, maybe not groundbreaking, but was a chance for television to get out of its, like, white male antihero phase and realize that kind people are interesting and can also have wonderful stories around them.
0: Absolutely agree. I it's just this is a show that is many things, but a big part of it is that it is unabashedly earnest. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the things I most love about Jane, the Virgin. And, uh, and it's like you said, kindness and being a good person is at the core of this show. And it, what it was really interesting to me, because I remembered um, thinking the first season wasn't very good. Um, not, I really didn't like the 30 rock pilot. this, Pilot. I remember thinking was like kind of off putting, but still funny. Um, and so when I went back and revisited, I expected to, it to be one of those things where they at the yet by the end of the first season, you can just like skip over the first six episodes and start with season two. And by the time they get to season two, they they know what the show is and it's a very different show. That's not it at all. They knew who Leslie was mostly in the pilot, except she's wearing like skirt business a skirt like pants like a skirt suit. A skirt suit, which is not No. That's wrong. That's wrong, guys. Uh but the the rest of the characters are the problem. So like Tom describes himself as a hick, a redneck, uh and Donna isn't really a character and like everybody around her is cynical and um and treats her disrespectfully and that's the difference they they kept leslie the same and they changed everybody else mm-hmm. to match her and that was such a smart decision and it worked so well and it's amazing how because if you compare to something like the office from which shares some you know a lot of the creative forces between those two shows the the american office i should say um in the first season of that show they had a lot of the pieces but they didn't have michael and they eventually, by the, by the second season, they figured out Michael and they, then it worked. And so this is, for me, is actually sort of the opposite. So watching with that perspective of what the show would later become, these first episodes, the earliest episodes even, I was still struck by how, how fantastic a character Leslie Nope was from the very beginning. And it was it was wonderful to go back and discover that. Uh, and it also does make even more glaring the fact that everybody came back for the finale. Except Brandanowitz, uh huh. I don't. There's a story there, and I don't know what it is, but that makes me maybe kind of bummed because I think he was good. I don't know. What do you have any thoughts on the early seasons of Parks? Well,
1: so season two is maybe my favorite season of Parks Recreation. Like I there when I think so. My favorite episode ever is Practice Date, which is like the fifth episode or seventh episode of the second season, and then I think about the episodes that I watch when I am sad or sick or like need a laugh. And there are a lot of them are season two episodes. Um, So I, I mean, I remember watching the first season of the show and thinking, okay, this is okay. I really thought I watched it with my brother and we really loved Andy and Andy had like, Andy was also pretty solid in the first Mm -hmm. season, kind of not the lovable doofus Andy and more kind of a, Lazy butt, but still very funny because Chris Pratt is great. And so I, I felt a connection to the show and there was a reason that I tuned back in when the second season premiered, but I thought, um, that, yeah, the, I think what surprised me was the first, like you said, the first episodes weren't as bad as I remembered. I think that I just haven't revisited them in a while. Um, but there was still a lot of like funny, Good character stuff that was there, even if it didn't necessarily resemble the parks that I know and love it so much as the show really trying to work itself out and then really, I think, confidently going into the rest of its seasons. Um, but I have so much love for season two. I think it's maybe it's park's best season, but I don't, I'd have to rewatch them all and comment.
0: Okay, so what makes it what makes season two stand out for you? Because I know for a lot of people, they really hook into the Leslie Ben romance. That's true. Well, uh, there, I mean, you get that at the end. Yeah, you you do, like you the do. last two episodes.
1: <laughs> I so I think that a second seasons of television shows usually are when shows are like, okay, now we kind of have outgrown our growing pains, and we're going to dig more into exploring and being creative. And I uh, in season two there are so many like classic park things that get introduced and practice date my favorite episode that's when Duke Silver gets introduced mm-hmm. um Leslie also goes on a date with Louis CK's cop um, before there was Ben who I love Ben forever but Louis CK's Dave was so funny and such a great like foil for Leslie and his very like low-key mannerism um and so he's wonderful a wonderful addition to that season and um, like Greg Pakaitis, her like teen nemesis shows up. Um are a lot of like the Eagleton feud. There's just so much like great world building in season two um, that then all of the other seasons continue to build on and grow from. But the kind of the first exciting magic of figuring out like, Oh, this is really great. Like, ron having an alter ego who plays the saxophone and like a sultry like jazz band across town like that works so well that's <laughs> exciting i think about the second season is there's a lot of those moments where things click and the show's like oh wait this is so great like let's keep doing this and it's continued to do that for um the rest of the show including like april and andy's relationship but then they got married in later seasons and that relationship's been really wonderful but kind of started out in season two so
0: fair enough yeah Yeah. there's it's it's fun to see those elements that you know especially different this is such a great show to revisit Mm -hmm. um because it's one of those ones that you you don't have to you know have the friday night lights oh season two is not that great except for like these Mm -hmm. three episodes like Yes, there are parts of it that are less effective, where they they you can see them struggling for a for a thread and for something to kind of connect things. Um, but for the most part, I think it's actually a really consistent show, and and it, it's a show that knows its characters almost immediately mm-hmm. once it gets going, once it finds, once it makes that shift uh, to be the Parks, it will later be um, those. It has such a strong and deep cast and does a really good job building its world and like another thing they set up in season two i believe right isn't that uh ron and tammy don't they set yeah. up the Tammies? Mm-hmm. uh yeah. the first of the Tammies. Same, tammy two, i should say and, and, like, and like heard and just like everybody yeah. that is
1: Pawnee like shows up in season two which is so cool and it's fun to see how people especially like i think about joan Calamezo and how not that she started out really normal, but she started out a lot less bonkers than she then moved on to be mm-hmm. and so even then it's kind of interesting to see i mean these are really minor parks characters, but even they have like gone on a journey over the seasons um and Purd has like seventy five million different spin off shows instead of just like you heard with purd and so these characters, even the small ones in the town, have gone on a journey. I really liked revisiting that um and seeing kind of how they've changed and grown over the years, even though they're not part of the normal kind of main ensemble.
0: Well, yeah. And again, like I said, the the world building here is really, really effective. Mm. And the way that you know, there's an, a clear love of that in the writer's room and with the the way that they treat these recurring figures, the way that they they, they do make... The, every, everybody's very heightened in Pawnee, yes, uh, but they, they do make these people feel... Uh, real to an extent because they have a memory because they reference these things that happened because it feels like a workplace where these people have a shared experience that a lot of it you know at least in the early seasons we haven't seen before so when they you know to to again reference the Tammy thing when when Leslie's like yay and the rest of the office is like what have you done it feels very organic it feels like all this other stuff has been going on when we haven't necessarily been watching it. I mean like even just a detail like. The, the bubble for the funding for, mm-hmm. for Anne's park is always in the background. And like every now and again, it goes up. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of attention to detail is a big part of what makes us feel like a community. And, and, and that sense of community is at the core of what this is, this show is, and that optimism. And like you said, down with the white male antihero, uh, <laughs> let's have a little bit more optimism in our TV. Uh, Cause I think it's a beautiful thing. Mhm
1: yeah I think I I think too like even even the though the show maybe I don't know I never really thought it fell off I always Mm. was on Parks and Rec okay fair enough. some people talked some people talked about how it got not so great when Leslie was in office or when she was running I always really liked the show sometimes Mm. I think maybe it recycled plots but that's like I don't know that's a common thing when you show runs for seven seasons you can't invent like 300 new stories all the time but I think that overall it's it's a show that I hope more people like take note of Mm -hmm. um I think that not that people don't know about it but just other shows in general it did such a great job of world building it does such a good job of moving people through in in some ways a realistic life journey I mean it's not it's the heightened world of punny realistic but showing people showing characters as growing and changing people over the course of their life that they learn lessons and they have a memory and they remember what's gone before. Um, I think that's really cool. And it's not every show that is on television right now is going to run for seven or eight seasons. But if any one of them does, I think that parks is a great template because um, it, it always kind of went big for the things that I really believed in for its characters and its town and the people in the town and that's really an admirable thing. Not, maybe not everything works for everybody, but it, again, it was, it was always like striving for something that, op, that healthy optimism. And that's something I really always appreciated about the show.
0: Well, and I think, like you said, that I love that people on this show change. Mm-hmm. I get so tired of, I can, I think it's just because I disagree with the philosophy, but this idea that no one can ever change, uh, which is such a popular, theme for TV shows just because it's convenient because then mm-hmm. the next episode, everything's there. But if you look at a character like Andy, he is always Andy, but mm-hmm. that character transforms by the end of the show. He's in such a different... Like, by the time they're, like, looking at buying a house and eventually mm-hmm. they, they, you know, they're married and they have... Are they going to have kids? And, like, that conversation that comes up in the last season of the show is really powerful. And, you know, we watch... Three different, really memorable, fantastic weddings on this show, mm-hmm. and we we watch Leslie and Ben go through their whole whole thing and end up getting married and then jump forward, and they have kids, and they are still people, and they are still interesting. This isn't a show that I mean they do the will they want they somewhat with with Leslie and Ben. I would argue that they earn it with the, the having that very real feeling conflict of the job. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, being the boss, but for the most part, they like they don't do that. They don't really go for the bullshit, and I and I love that about this show. Mm-hmm. What What are the characters? Because of course, there are so many characters. If you had to pick one relationship, I'm going to make it hard for you. Is it? <laughs> is it okay? Is it Leslie and Ron or Leslie and Anne?
1: Hmm. No, oh, this is hard. I so I think so part of me wants to say Leslie and Ron, because um, I totally believe in breakfast food. And I love that the show can the show portrays a relationship of people that have opposing ideals that are respectful of one another and can understand where each other is coming from. I think that's a beautiful and very rare thing to put on television that people have differing views but still can communicate and are amicable and know how to respond to one another. Um, But I, for me, I think Leslie and Anne kind of takes the cake. Um, Not only because personally I am a Leslie and my best friend is an Anne. And so <laughs> they relate to one another constantly we send each other like texts of I've sent her, I made her a mixed CD one time that was like, you beautiful, powerful Muskox." ox. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, Very, so I see that reflected in a lot of my friendships, but, um, but I think the show did a really great job of saying why are these two women together and what do they bring into each other's lives? And, um, when Anne and Chris went off to Michigan, I still remember just what a beautiful testament that episode was to their friendship and how much they learned from each other. And that, that was, that was always kind of a hook for me when, Maybe some of the plots weren't working or the jokes were falling flat or, um, maybe the will they won't they was getting kind of boring. I don't know. That's never happened, but if maybe I thought that <laughs> one, who knows? But that their friendship was always really true and all the beats that they went through together to me seemed really like a lot of the friendships that I have in my life. And so I appreciated a show that kind of like really got female friendship and what that looked like and the strength of that in a way that didn't feel contrived or or kind of just added on for effect.
0: Even just the way they handle the season 1 season 2 Brandanowitz love triangle mm-hmm. is so respectful and is so of, of the characters and between the characters. And that's just the kind of thing that not enough shows do. It's I remember um one of the early articles I wrote for Sound on Sight at the time now Pop Optic uh was about watching an episode of every show in a week on (laughs) primetime network tv i watched an episode of every show uh to see if it passed the bechdel test Uh uh-huh and did the the, did some graphs and and stats and as you can still y'all can still find it it's 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 up at the at the website somewhere um and talked about which shows passed the bechdel and uh how and how how barely did they pass and almost all the ones that did pass were one scene three lines of conversation probably between a mother and a daughter and that's how they passed uh, just barely uh, and then there was parson and Rec. Mm-hmm. and it was just this beacon uh, at the time of, of of an honest thoughtful female friendship that you just didn't see on any show um, and and it it still stands out for me as as such an important part of what the show is and and who Leslie is as mm-hmm. a person. This notion of her, like I love all the different things they set up for her as she's irritatingly good at gifts and mm-hmm. and she's can be obsessive, but she like she just brings out the best in every person in her life, um, and that's why they deal with all of her insanity. Um, it's just such a a lovely a, a lovely character but also a lovely you know central friendship and and and, I, and I, you see that in Ron too and there mm-hmm. I mean a lot a theme i find coming up again and again in the shows i most adhere to and uh, that that stick with me is respect
1: mm-hmm. and this is
0: a show that respects its characters and has its characters respect each other and that's something that i never get tired of
1: mhm that's so true that's such a great way to put it i think the the way that they interact with one another. And I feel like this on Brooklyn Nine Nine, I guess it makes sense because it's also a Mike sure show. Um, but the way that they really come together as a community, as a group of friends, as co workers, as people, as family in each other's lives. Um, that's what that's what speaks to me beyond the comedy and beyond the silliness, which there's plenty of both, mm-hmm. is the way that these people have really formed a community with their town and with each other. And that's like a really powerful and awesome legacy for a television show to have. Um, that's, that's not something to, that's not something that every show has. so I'm, Oh, parks. I love yeah. you so much.
0: Well, and one of the things I find with, for myself with this and upon doing some rewatching, I didn't get to watch as many as I would like. Cause I would like to have watched them all again. Uh, but I, but I did watch number and I, I was so happy to see the, the sheer number of things that I've sort of picked up and if, become part of, like, my speech patterns. Uh, there's quite a number that I picked up from a show like Hemium where I end up being like, ugh! Four <laughs> seasons of a show I like, and then a lot more that I didn't. Um, but, you know, like, treat yourself uh, for a big one, or, or Galentine's Day, and, like, there's so many ideas that came up and, um, and rituals and stuff with the show that... I don't know if they've permeated the popular culture fully. I don't know if it's just my bubble. Um, But it kind of makes me happy that these things are rubbing off on on myself and my friends. And uh, and, and because I think this is such a positive show. I think that's such a good thing. So if I'm going to have... If I'm gonna have like speech patterns I picked up from a show, I would love for it to be for it to be parked. Do you have mm-hmm. any favorite recurring bits, or maybe if you were going to live in in Pawnee, which festival would you most want to attend? which event in Pawnee? I guess. That's impossible.
1: There's so many great events.
0: <laughs> that
1: park. that's the other thing. My parks and rec department is super boring. Like yeah, oh, in yeah. comparison, yeah. that parks and rec department is lit. They're doing so many events. Um, I, I think that I was watching bloopers because parks and rec bloopers are wonderful. And there was a scene in season six, I think when, Bronze Chairs and Blush and Reda or Donna but Red and Aziz and Donna <laughs> um, Tom are singing like a Ron's and Blush song and the bloopers go for like two minutes um, but I think their relationship together was one of my favorites and just the way that they like played off of each other's silliness was great um, that was always one of my favorites when they were put together and like sing little songs or like had Treat Yourself Day or um just like commented on with one in one another's lives in a really like pop culture laden way was cool. Um, I'm trying to think what I really I wish that I'm sad little Sebastian is passed. I totally mm-hmm. would have been all over that miniature yeah. horses are. That's just such I think an Indiana slash television show thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but. I also think it would be super fascinating to just eat in Pawnee because it sounds like the, all of their restaurants are horrendous, but probably <laughs> delicious. You could get a soda the size of like a child. So, yeah. this yeah, sounds really
0: fun for a day, not for my life. But for a <laughs> short time. For a short time. Uh, yeah, and, and when that point of, um, with the Tom and Donna relationship. I mean, it really has, this is a show that made their workplace comedy actually have a lot of really different kinds of people Mm -hmm. in it. Instead of having like three kind of subsets that everybody falls into or trying to introduce new characters to be the new fill in the blank. But I mean, think about, I mean, there's obviously a connection there with, with Donna and Tom, but like Larry Mm -hmm. and Ron, and uh, and the um, Billy Eichner character, Craig, right? When he comes mm-hmm. in, like all the characters who you know, Ben is just such such a nerd. Oh my God, comes a Dunshire. <laughs> like I would play that game so oh, much, a hundred million percent. It'd be so fun. <laughs> yeah, I would be like third tier cone maker or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, like th- these are actually. They do a good job of, of having them all come together or, or april or andy like they, they all come together and they all form a community like you said but i like that they each retain their in- identity and their individuality throughout the show uh while being influenced by each other and that's a kind of attention to a character uh and not just a character but all the characters that i that again i can really appreciate mm-hmm. but um we have run long, so we should, as much as I know we would love to talk oh, so progress. much more sure. about Parks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut this off here and just end with, um... This is another one of the shows that I can name, like, ten favorite episodes off the top of my head. Just, I remember a lot of them. One of the best things about going back and rewatching some of these episodes was seeing how many had more than one of my favorite things about the show in the same episode. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I forgot that the Ron and Tammy episode... Uh, also has treat yourself right mm-hmm. and that the Pawnee Rangers no no what is the one that also has snake juice there's like
1: oh
0: but there's, there's a... another one there's a few that like have one like I remember the episode for one reason but there's also this whole like another mm-hmm. thing I love about it in the same one it's like they do they for the most part they do a good job of supporting their different um subplots but uh, I'm gonna make you pick top three to five. If you want to do five, go for five, but at least top three episodes aside from the ones you've already mentioned. Okay. Aside from the ones I've already mentioned. Well, practice day is like my number one. People get really mad at me
1: when I say it's Mm -hmm. my fave, but I'm like, y'all, it's really good. Go revisit it. Um, I really love the flu season is like the one I always watch when I'm sick. (laughs) It makes me feel better immediately. Stop. Um, Pooping. It's so good. (laughs) Um, I also really like Um, I really like oh I can't remember in season three there's an early one where Leslie is going on tour for her book um, and she realizes that she was like born in Eagleton and that's Mm -hmm. kind of a low key one but she gives a really great speech at the end of the episode where she talks about how um, there's a restaurant in Pawnee that claims that it has the best waffles in the world and like Maybe it doesn't, but also maybe it does. Like this is the kind of town that we live in. And I always, that speech is so great. Um, equal parts, the debate is really good. Um, I think Amy Poehler wrote that one or co-wrote that one. And that one's silly for like all the different people it brings in, but also some really poignant speeches about um, like challenging your community to be better and her as a leader. Um, and then seven, in season seven, the kind of the two-parter but really the one episode where she and Ron hash out their differences um, and really kind of come to terms with their relationship in this new way that was kind of like a late in the game like really strong episode that I was not expecting from a show in its last season but really was a powerful kind of exploration of their friendship um, and and what they've meant to each other and how they've evolved as characters and Also so funny um, when they're kind of have lost their mind and they're like in sweat, like, and he's playing the, (laughs) the saxophone and just doing weird things. Um, Those are some of my favorites.
0: I think those are all great. Uh, For me, the, I think my favorite stretch of the show is the run up to um, the, the campaign, the run up to the election. And when I think of a moment from the show, I think of Leslie voting that's the image that comes to mind mm-hmm. for me. So I would, I would give that. Um, I, I, I give her, I, I give that episode, um, the you know climax of the season, as one of my absolute favorites. Um, this is a show, like I said, that knows how to do a festival. So I got to give some love to Harvest Festival. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we we talked about this off mic, but the. The little Sebastian, the the, um, the, the bye-bye little Sebastian, and, like, all the different musical numbers that have happened over the course of the show are so delightful. Um, and, oh, man, you already said flu season, which is so good. Um, I'll give it to, you know what it is? It was the fight is the one that has snake Where hole, everyone gets really drunk. Where everyone just gets blitzed, and uh. it's amazing. But it also, again, is that really great um, – look at Anne and Leslie's friendship and these different things about them, but you know, about who they are, but also who, what they bring out in each other and why, and is it okay? And is it manipulative? And is it all of this stuff? Um And while it also has some uh delightful uh Ben and Leslie, will they, won't they, and some other good stuff in there too. So, um I'll, and you know, th- th- I could think, you know, we have Leslie going up the, 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 the visual of the, the flag raising the Iwo Jima flag. Like there's been so many great moments and so many great episodes on the show, but um, those are the three that are sticking with me right now. So those are the, those are the three I guess I'll go with, but uh, any final thoughts on parks and rec besides if anybody's listening and they've gotten this far and they don't watch parks, they haven't seen parks. Yeah. They definitely need to watch it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, And Kel zones are delicious. Also, may I just say, but uh, any, any final thoughts on parks? Yeah, I think Leslie Nope is the
1: character on television, uh, before Jane came on that I most related to for kind of that, like, give it your all and do your best and be the best person and friend you can be. And I, she means a lot to me as, as a, as a character. And I also really love waffles. And that mm-hmm. is a stupid small note, but I love that she loves waffles so much. I also really love waffles. Um, and I'm, I think that. My television watching is better for having watched Parks, and I think that it helps me hold other television shows to a higher standard because I know they can like I know people can tell stories about kind, funny people and do it well. So, like none of this darkness of flesh and bone that is crappy storytelling. I know you can do it better. It's happened. I promise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a great note uh, to leave it on. I have, I absolutely agree and. It just makes me happy that this is a kind of show that through the sheer, you know, dumb luck and the of like when this writer's strike was and the, you know, uh, the encroaching of peak TV and NBC having nothing else, it was able to survive (laughs) as long as it did, uh, like to really build this full and beautifully peopled world. Um, Absolutely adore Parks and Rec. It's it's just even have a few, having had a few months off from it and coming back and revisiting it, um, it's already grown, gone up in my estimation, and I look forward to watching it. I think it'll. I have a sense it'll continue to climb. My favorite shows uh, over time, so. I I look forward to to watching that happen in my own little mental Rolodex of of TV Mm -hmm. shows. But uh, thank you so much, Elena, for coming on the podcast this week uh, and talking all of this TV with me. I know.
1: It was so much,
0: but I'm happy we talked about it. (laughs) Where can our listeners find you and your work online? So I write for Pop Optic. um, And
1: like I said earlier, I just have a piece up about BoJack Horseman and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and mental health and how thankful I am for that on television. Um, I also write for the Televixen. I'm weekly reviewing Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So if you want to catch my thoughts on a weekly basis, you can come over there. Um And then kind of some other random smatterings of thoughts here and there. You can also follow me on Twitter. My handle is my first name. Elena is awesome. Um I made it when I was like 17, but it's still stuff.
0: Uh, so you can and follow me. I my- feel it stands. Uh, you what know, you yeah. anybody who's still listening knows this. It is known. So Ryan, Yeah. But you can yeah. follow
1: my... Disjointed thoughts about many different television shows that I'm very behind on because of my work schedule. So <laughs> I live tweet things from five weeks ago, but like they're still happening,
2: but yeah. All
0: right. trying to catch up and working on it. It's all good. It's all mm-hmm. good. You can uh of course uh, everyone can reach me at PopOptic. You can email the the at gmail dot com. You can find us on Facebook to start a conversation there or find us in uh in iTunes where we have an M four a chaptered feed and an MP three unchaptered feed. And of course on Twitter I'm at the Televerse and please do reach out there or leave a comment at the website that works too. Um, but always love talking TV with everybody there. So reach out, let let me know your favorite Parkinson rec episode, which mm, thing are you, sure. can, can you not believe that we didn't mention? Cause there's about a million of them, but so um, yeah. Like we, how did I not mention the finale is one of the best episodes? Cause it's such a oh lovely my. finale. Yeah. Oh well, so I feel like we could say that about 20 million episodes. We could. We could. <laughs> president Nope, by the way, may mm-hmm. I just say oh, maybe yeah. also Mr. Nope, also President, but definitely President Nope. But <laughs> anyways, on that note. Uh thank you once more, Elena, for coming thank on. For having me. And thank you everyone for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.